ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, when it grind, get I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live by my hustle. Pocket, it don't make sense, but don't make a profit. So the hustle, ladies and homies, make money, make money, money, money. Yeah. Yeah. I want to find a thing to save my life. So I hustle, hustle. It ain't over for me. No, it ain't over for me. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Okay, let's go smoke that joint. What up, what up, Fantasy Football Hustler back at you. And oh yeah, we got a Hustler interview going down. Uh, before I bring him on though, I want to remind everybody, you want to get into a Hustler League because we're starting a bunch of them. Go get signed up at patreon.com slash ffhustler420. And if you're trying to get in on that draft guide, I know we've shown some sneak peeks on YouTube. Uh, we had a whole bunch of people putting in work as one of the best draft guides that is out in there right now. Uh, go get signed up on Patreon. You just got to be at the $10 level or higher. Trust me, this is going to be one of those things that helps you dominate your draft. We got over 700 players broken down with up to four years worth of stats and trends and analytics. So yeah, go check it out. Patreon.com slash FFHustler420. All right. Now, without further ado, someone, uh, he's been on the show before, but I haven't had him on by himself to do an interview. So I'm super stoked about this. If, if you guys have been following him on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you already know he's putting in work. Uh, definitely one of the hustlers in the fantasy industry, making a name for himself, has been for years. But if you don't know about him, you're going to know about him right now. He's repping Real Deal Fantasy HQ. It's my man, LQ. <sighs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect fitting. My favorite wrestler of all time. Hell yeah. Anybody who watched the Attitude Era, it's tough to say anybody was better than uh, than Stone Cold. That's for sure. Nah, he's on his own tier. You can't even say The Rock. can't say Triple H. can't even say Shawn Michaels on the back end of that injury. Yeah, Stone Cold. That's it. All day. 101. <laughs> <laughs> Math Quest in the building. What up? What up? What's up, bro? Antonio in the building. What up, bro? It's going down. All right. So this is a long time coming. I know I had you on when we were doing like our quarterback, uh, you know, March Madness, you know, and, and yeah. that was cool. But I'm, I'm trying to hear a little bit of your backstory. You know, I mean, I know a little bit just seeing you on other pods and other shows, but um, I know how long have you actually been like playing fantasy football, like as a manager? Oh, man, I've been playing close to probably – Eight years now, maybe a little bit dipping and diving. Like I've had buddies that played it. I just never really jumped into it, but probably like overall, like eight years now. Nice. And uh, tell me about how the whole, uh, the relationship spawned with you and Nick from BDGE. Cause that was pretty much what sparked you getting into the fantasy, like content creation world. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing with Nick, like, uh, 
he really was putting out content more so of like uh the draft parties so when i got into it like i wanted to like like it was probably like year three when i started playing fantasy football so i wanted to host my own league so i was just trying to get ideas like how live drafts look like how do you go about it and all the other stuff and then i came across his video i'm like damn this kid makes it look fun like he makes it look dope like i want my draft party to be just like this so I definitely tried to mirror that in my first year. I think it was like the 2017 or 2016 uh, league uh, video I did. And I tried to mirror that and it actually worked out. So I definitely was like, yo, I kind of want to put this out yearly. And then once like once I got like hooked onto that, I seen one of his like solo dolo like fantasy videos because it just happened to be going into the season. So I saw one of his videos. I'm like, damn, that's very informative. I like his style. I like that. He's like just a regular guy sitting in his room and just chilling and just talking fantasy. So I definitely like that. And then it, it sparked my, you know, my thought of like, maybe I can do this too. Maybe I can jump on YouTube and put out content, all this other stuff, because people like in my leagues were asking me questions, who to start, who to sit. People I work with was asking me, yo, who's this guy coming out of college and this, and I'm just like, Hey, why don't I just put this in one spot? Just put it on YouTube and see how that goes. So it, he definitely like sparked the idea. He was like ever so nice to just give me gems and like tell me equipment, lighting and camera, how to do this, how to do that. Editing software all through email. And like I shot my shot really with him going to him direct with email. And like at this time, he only had like 3000 subscribers nice. so if you at where he's at now. It's like to the moon. So I really shot my shot there and like was glad that he was able to mentor me in like the first year and year or two that uh, I started doing this stuff. So shout out to Nick. Big dogs got to eat. Yeah. What up, Jordan? Yep. Talking about Nick from BDGE. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy because I mean, I, I probably didn't see him as early as as you did. I used to watch YouTube like for the longest time. It was pretty much just podcasts. And he, his was one of the ones that I had in my rotation, but I never really watched on YouTube. But I mean, I liked your video that you had when you did like the Vegas draft and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah, you've been doing it, uh, doing it real big. Yeah, I mean that was that was awesome, man. Like uh, like traveling is always like something I like to record and you know, not exactly capture the moment, but hold on to the moment because you go back and watch it because like, man, it's like you you do the things and then like you go to sleep and you forget some of those small moments. So that's why I like to record the shit. Yeah, and that was dope. If you guys haven't seen it, go on to uh, to LQ's uh, YouTube and go check it out. They did a Vegas draft, and it's pretty dope just seeing behind the scenes, you know, like all the stuff that everyone says that they're going to do in Canton, you know, this year. Like, yeah, you've already been doing that. So, yeah, that's dope. <laughs> For real. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's see. When when it comes to fantasy, I know you do a bunch of stuff, and I know you um, you do a lot of mock drafts and stuff. Who would you say – we're going to – we're going to uh, call some shots on some of your my guys, but not like the top, top, you know, like not the first rounder guys. Who are some of your my guys that are like super good value, you know, compared to like last year, just previous years that you're trying to swoop? Uh, My guys right now are really common people like Keenan Allen. Like I'm grabbing him everywhere. He's like going in the fourth round or like late third round, which is like crazy as hell to me. Like why? Why is he going so late? Herbert and him are going to light it up. So he's definitely one of those my guys that are on my list. And then, of course, Cam Akers, but I'm not going to 
go into a whole spiel of why I think he's too high, but I'm still going to end up with him on my roster being that he's going to have a ton of scoring opportunity. So I definitely love, you know, grabbing him, but I think my third guy that nobody's really like really, really talking about is Gabriel Davis. Like he's going to find his way on my roster nine times out of 10 for all my redrafts that I'm going to be doing this season. Just because he's super late. I mean, going to be one of the guys you can like get with one of your last spots. So, I mean, he's free. Everybody's scared of a 34-year-old Manuel Sanders on the back end of his career when Davis is on the rise. It doesn't make sense, but, you know, I'll just let them keep uh, sleeping. Yeah, especially because, I mean, I know they run Davis a lot out of the slot, and, I mean, until they get some kind of tight end, you know, I mean, they're still going to have a need for him and Cole Beasley going over the middle. They could get Ertz. Uh, I don't know if they're in business for it, but I, I hope they get Ertz. I've been screaming Ertz for the last year now, so hopefully if they get Zach Ertz, that'll definitely bring something to the table. You're one of the f- first people that I saw, you know, saying Ertz to Buffalo, and it just makes yeah. sense because not in the same division, you know, as Philly. Um, you wouldn't have to see them unless you really play them in the Super Bowl. And um, Yeah. I don't even know the last time Buffalo has had a good tight end. So to get someone like Ertz, like that would just be a huge upgrade as long as he's on the field. Yeah, of course. What up, Eddie? Said y'all nervous about Dobbins' dynasty value with Edwards and maybe even Gurley now. <laughs> I'll let you uh, be first on that one. I'm not I'm not worried about Gurley whatsoever. It'll just be more annoying for, you know, all the fantasy managers. But Overall, for Dynasty, Gurley will be there and then go on the next year. Gus Edwards, that's probably the one you got to really worry about. He's he's a good running back. That's the thing. He's a starter on like most of these teams that don't have a running back right now or drafted a rookie that they're unsure of, like the Jets. You know, Gus Edwards is immediate, you know, day one starter. He goes to the Jets. So I definitely think it's a, a little annoying that, you know, Baltimore is actually shop not shopping, but showing interest in adding another running back to the table, which doesn't make sense when your RB1 is basically Lamar Jackson. So adding another running back, that's just going to make it more annoying. I would assume Gurley gets signed for almost nothing if he does get signed and might just be like Mark Ingram, more of an insurance policy than anything. Cause I mean, they had Mark Ingram healthy, you know, in street clothes on the side of the field. So I, yeah, he was even insurance. Facts, definitely, because Mark Ingram was still good. He was still good, but it was just the fact that Gus Edwards and J.K. were just too good for him to try to fight off, so there's that. Yeah. I know you don't do ranks too much, but Eddie asked, where would you rank uh, Dobbins in Dynasty drafts? Is he uh, inside the top 12? Uh, Definitely. Hell yeah. He's on a run-first offense. They're going to be running the ball a ton, and this year we should see him get more – involved in the passing game, as they should say. I don't know if we're going to go from 30 targets to 70 targets, but it might be a little bit more in between there, and it could be appealing. So he's definitely in the top 12. And uh, in Dynasty drafts, Eddie, I've been seeing him go pretty much in the third round all day. I mean, it just depends, you know, early third or late third, but that's where I've been seeing him go. So if you want him, you may have to swoop on him real early in the third, but uh, yeah, I'm not – I'm not worried about Gurley going there. Like Gurley looked trash last year, even in that really good game that he had against Dallas or whoever it was, his one coming out party. He just looked slow, looked old. He's got that yeah. bumpy. Didn't look good overall. Yep. Anytime, Eddie. Make sure you go subscribe on YouTube, Fantasy Football Hustler, and then go subscribe to uh, LQs if you don't. Real Deal Fantasy HQ. Yeah, there. 
And uh, so I know there's probably a couple content creators out here, guys like my man Stu, who are going to be getting into uh, content creation uh, this year for the first time, finally getting in front of the mic and the camera. What's some advice that you would give for someone uh, trying to come up in 2021 and being in front of the camera and mic for the first time? Uh, get the reps. I mean, you just got to practice. You definitely want to feel comfortable in front of the camera, even on the mic. You know, some people like to practice with the camera off and just talking to the mic listen to how they sound. I mean, that's definitely what's more important. I mean, most of the time, like I'm not looking directly at the camera. I'm just talking into the mic or I'm looking at the screen of whoever I'm on the screen with. So if you get the reps with the camera off, it would just kind of just, you know, fall into place with you just talking about what you want to talk about. And it's definitely important that, you know, you cover things that you want to cover. You don't have to worry about the trends. You don't have to worry about people talking about this player and you have to feel the need. You need to talk about that player, et cetera, et cetera. You control what you can control and you talk about what you want to talk about. So it's definitely important. You want to just be yourself at the end of the day. So that's basically what I can give you from that. Yep. Good advice, too. And uh, during the season, I mean, we know it's kind of like a different schedule, you know, during the season compared to the offseason. Uh, yeah. what, what would you say for someone who's just this is their first year? What advice would you give them about content like during the season? So during the season, you definitely want to hit on waiver wire. You definitely want to hit on stardom sit-ems. You definitely want to hit on like weekly, weekly rankings. I definitely think you need to have a set schedule. So like Sunday mornings, I do a start and sit -em. I really don't worry about the Thursday game. If you've been following me for a while now, you know the Thursday game is unpredictable, especially with the London games. Anything can go. So I'm not really too keen on doing the start and sit on a London game or a Thursday night game because unless it's a clear matchup, if it's like Derrick Henry versus the Houston Texans, then obviously you do that. But I try to stay away from the big names when I do start and sit -ums. I'm more so start and sit -um, you know, Mike Williams, start and sit -um, you know, Michael Carter, like people like that for this season coming up. So it, it, you definitely just want to have a set schedule of what fits you in time frame because you want to hit on things that people want to know before, you know, that Sunday game or going into the next week, who should they pick up on the waiver wire? So you definitely need to hit on those big three things. So what do you think about this? At least what I did last year, because last year was the first year that I started doing videos. Um, I, I, I have that Facebook group. And I mean, that's where I was interacting with people for the longest time. But I felt like, OK, so like Tuesday, everyone drops their waiver wire video. Wednesday, everyone's dropping their start and sit video. I felt with like no subscribers like at all to like be better than the competition. I had to do it a day earlier just to try to get a couple extra views out of that. Enough. Yeah. That's what I was doing too, Monday night. I mean, right after, you know, the late game. If you're watching a game, why not do a waiver wire pickup and just exclude the people that are on the screen at that night? I mean, that's definitely what I did too in the beginning. And it kind of worked. You kind of get the jump. You kind of get the leg up on people that are dropping 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. in the morning. So if you drop that night, if you're like, whoa, waiver wire at nine o'clock, the game's still on. That's fine. You might miss one or two people that are even worth even mentioning in that night game to even pick up. So it should be obvious, you know, if you're watching them and you see them popping off, okay, yeah. But you don't have to add them to your article or your video. Just try to be ahead of the, you know, the wave. Basically, just try to do your own thing, but at the same time, think about how you're going to be better than the next guy. Hell yeah. My advice is hustle harder and hustle faster. What? Plugged with Jay. What up, what up? What up, Jay? In the building. 
And there we go. Stu said, great advice. I don't know any other way than to be uh, to be good, bad, or indifferent, loved, and hated. Just uh, won't be ignored. There we go. Yeah, yeah Stu's yeah. the man. We actually uh, – so he's ha he has a foundation, Dream to Walk. Um, it's for um, – so he he's actually paralyzed from, like, the chest down. And uh, so he's got a big um, – big foundation and big charity going where he's helping people kind of in similar situations. And, um, we started a dope league and we actually got Adam rank, Marcus Grant, James Coe and Smitty in it. And, uh, so super stoked that you're here, Stu. Uh, can't wait to, uh, you know, get this going so we can get some more awareness coming to your foundation. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Now I got a question for you because I've always been curious and maybe you've told me this before. Maybe I just don't remember, but you're from Jersey. So explain yeah. the connection to the Rams. All right. So <laughs> it's funny because there's like no Rams fans in Jersey. Like it's <laughs> literally probably like one or two people. But when I was younger, like I think it was like 97, maybe 98 where they were playing on the playing on the TV. They were like literally the first team ever football team that I ever see play. I like the jerseys, and it was also nice to see, you know, Marshall Falk out there just killing it, just ripping the field. And I'm like, who is this guy? So I watched that one game and then ended up seeing them play again, and I was just like, this is my team. I always wanted to just like a team and just be in conversation with the adults talking football and just be like, hey, I'm a Rams fan. And I always got the side eye, like, how are you a Rams fan? You live in Jersey. I'm like, hey, it is what it is. So they were in L.A. at the time, and then St. Louis, of course, and then – they actually ended up winning a Super Bowl the following year. So it's like, yeah, I'm a Rams fan. So it's not <laughs> like, you know, as a kid at that time, I was only eight years old. So it's like, hey, I got to see them play in the Super Bowl. And I remember watching them getting cheated, you know, against the Patriots. <laughs> fucking field goal. So I, I was there. Like, I, I can legit say I'm not a bandwagoner. I'm a legit Rams fan just off of just coming up and just watching a game. So that's really the story. And I mean, greatest show on turf. Like I was one of the best offenses of all time. And Marshall Falk, you know, being from San Diego State, he was always like one of my favorite players. And um, yeah. what a crazy ass story with Kurt Warner. Like you're bagging groceries one week and then the next week you're like on the Rams. Yep. And you win a Super Bowl. Shout out to Trent Green. If he didn't get hurt, we'd be no Kurt Warner. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Was that it? That was in the preseason or during the regular season? I know it was, it was preseason. Early. It was yeah. super early. They thought the season was over. They thought it was done for. And then, boom, Kurt Warner. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Yeah, and he stayed around way longer than anybody thought and in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah. Pretty, pretty ridiculous. Undrafted, right? Whew, yeah. Bagging groceries. Hell yeah. All right. So, you know how in the movie uh, Invincible, they're like, uh, name a giant, any giant. So, all right. So, we're not going to talk about the main, main Rams, but who who is the the Ram player who you're like, that's my dude. He wasn't like, you know, the best. Maybe he was a little uh, underrated, you know, but who's one of the Rams players who you're like, that's my dude? What, all time? Yeah, all time. Mm, tight end Kevin Curtis. I oh, really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I take it back. I, I really, I really liked how he played, played with an attitude chip on the shoulder. I was very upset when he went to the Eagles, but that's more so a business thing. But Kevin Curtis was always like one of the guys that I was just like, damn man, I love the way he plays too. Outside of you know the whole the Isaac Bruce, you know, and Marshall Falk, obviously, but he was one of the guys like that short period of time where I was like, damn yo, he's out there balling. And that's not even someone who I thought you would have said. So yeah, that's uh, that's a nice throwback right there. 
Adam Marchuelo will be another guy too that I really enjoyed his hits. He was a thumper, man. So he was out there just ball hawking and getting to the ball and making big plays. So on the de- defensive side of the ball, man, there, there's a ton of guys, man, that were just out there balling, man. And how do you think Aaron Donald stacks up against every Ram all time, you know, on defense? Where's I think he he's one on one. He's one on one. He changed the game. He changed the body type of what a you know defensive lineman should be. I mean, he could play all over the line. We've seen him play a nose tackle short period of time in St. Louis and still was dominating. The most dominant freaking inside, outside, you know, defensive lineman there is. So there's really Nobody can stack up to him. I mean, all the greats, all the legends have given him props and said that, you know, he's one of the best. And I honestly think he is the best. He probably go down as probably the best Ram ever in history. If we're talking about, like, who's the best at their position by, like, far, you know, like the second guy is, like, so much farther down than the first guy. I feel like it's him at any yeah. position. Like, at every any position, he's definitely the best and farthest gap in between him and the second best guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. All right. So I've been noticing you doing a lot of dope interviews. So I just shout out to people who may not have seen you on, uh, you know, your YouTube channel. But what are some of the dope interviews that uh, that you've had over just in this offseason? We don't even have to go back just in this offseason. I mean, this offseason, it's been a ton. I mean, from like Heath Cummings, Jamie Eisenberg, Marcus Grant. I mean, I just was on Fantasy Pros with Mike Tags and Joe Pizapia. I just had Joe Pizapia on my show an hour ago. Like, it's it's been a lot of guys. I mean, Mike Wright, Fantasy Footballers. Uh, I know I'm missing somebody. I can't believe I'm missing somebody right now. But, man, it, it, it's a lot. But, overall, it's just been a dope experience, man, that e- even to be able to get on the same screen with these guys and pick their brains and, talk fantasy football. I mean, it's really like kind of like a vibe to just be in the bar somewhere, drinking beers and talking football. So it's been awesome, man. What do you think helped uh, get the ball rolling even faster this year compared to like years in the past? I mean, honestly, it's been more so of just being consistent and being, you know, on top of things. Like I'll definitely say from last year compared to this year, it's more me being focused. It's tunnel vision right now. Like it's constantly, I need to be on top of this. It's not me worrying about other things out, you know, out of the world that I don't need to really care about. Like I'm putting my all energy and focus into my craft, into my content. And it's showing, it's improving. Every video I do, every video that I've been recording, like I watch it back and I'm doing better than the last video I just did probably, you know, an hour ago. So it's like, I definitely got to like, to the point where I was like, I'm locked in, I'm doing this, and I just got to just keep doing what I've been doing, man. Just put my head down and grind. Oh, yeah, you've been killing it, and there we go. Jordan shouting it out, saying, uh, can tell, bro. So, yeah, that's what's up, man. Definitely uh, putting people on notice, that's for sure. I mean, I already knew who you were, you know, last year and stuff, but, uh, yeah, I know that, I mean, seeing some of the guys who you're on screen with, like, Got to feel dope. So, yeah, man, props to you for everything you've been doing uh, in the last year. Yeah, man, it's it's been hard. Like, it's really – like, I've been at this for a while now, and, like, to see the growth is awesome as well. But, like, overall, like, it's a, it's a W for the fantasy community as well. Like, even with me doing the things I'm doing, somebody else is doing as well. And, like, it's just great opportunities, and it's just a vision that, you know, the opportunity is there. The door's open. Like, 
be be able to be on the same screen with Marcus Grant. You had an interview with him. It's like it's amazing. Like I watch NFL fantasy Thursday, <laughs> Sunday morning. Like it's like crazy. You sit on the same screen with him. So it's like, damn, man, to have these opportunities, man, it's definitely a W for the fantasy community because new guys that are trying to come in like Stu, like, hey, it can happen. You can shoot your shot. You can have great content and somebody will reach out to you. That's really how it goes. You just got to put your head down and grind and like you never know. So that's why I'm glad like, you know, all these opportunities are happening for everybody else. Not just me, you know what I mean? Just for everybody in the community, they're, they're getting the opportunities and we're putting a lot of the big names and the big companies on notice too, because, Hey, you got a lot of people out here that aren't, you know, well-connected that aren't, you know, that know somebody that's in this, you know, company and et cetera. Like we're putting a lot of people on those, just the Twitter community in general, because we're all putting together good content. We're all putting together, you know, a brand that is sellable and marketable. So they're looking now, they're starting to look over the shoulder like, oh, wow, who's this guy or who's this girl? So it, it's it's great that, you know, this is happening now. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, one thing that's even crazy to me, you know, someone like James Coe, you know, who started his YouTube channel, like where he came when he did an interview with me, like he plugged his YouTube channel. He's like, I only got like 15 subscribers, guys, you know, help me out. So like, that's how new his YouTube channel is. Guy who's been on the NFL network. He's someone who works with direct TV, like literally right now is like, wants to get his name and his brand on YouTube. And that's like pretty dope. Cause like, Guys like me and you, I mean, you've been here longer than me, but like, it's crazy that like we've been on YouTube longer than James Coe. <laughs> yeah, sounds crazy. I mean, Marcus Grant has made his YouTube too, and yeah. he, he's killing it right now with his YouTube series that he has going on. So again, he's he just started it like last week. I think he's only at like probably like 20, 25 subscribers, but I'm pretty sure that number is going to grow once he starts putting out, you know, more videos. He's only done two, so more to come. Yeah. And I mean, I know everyone just wants multiple streams of income, you know, is what it is. Yeah. Be able to be creative, you know, because I know you even did a show with Troy and Marcus where it's just all like superhero related and stuff. Yeah. right? Yep. We we got a series. Uh, probably it's the thing is, it all started out as an idea of just one show. But then we kind of just worked it into like a series. We're kind of like, yo, this is really cool. Let's make this a series. Let's keep this going. And like, you know, Marcus is all in on it, which is great. He's putting his work into it. And it's like, damn, I mean, maybe this can be something bigger than we actually thought because people actually want it. They want to see it. They want to hear it. And I think, you know, I have enough knowledge on, you know, Marvel, DC, anime, et cetera, et cetera. And so destroy and Marcus. So it's like a perfect combination to just take a step away from fantasy just for a second and actually talk about something different. So this whole saturated market, you know, idea, it doesn't make sense because there's things like that, that you can do. Just talk what you want to talk about. Just do what you want to do. It's not exactly a script of, Hey, you got to talk about this this week. You got to talk about this that today. Like, no, it's your brand. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> Especially in the off season. I mean, I was grinding so hard during the regular season. I was like happy yeah. when it was over. And like, I don't think I did anything even for two weeks. I was just interacting with, uh, you know, the community that we got going on. It's been yeah. more fun to talk about other stuff than it has been about yeah. football, like taking a little break from it. Like you said. Yeah. That's why my page, like my Twitter page will never just be strictly football. You'll never ever get strictly football from me because one, it's my page. Two, I have too much, you know, going on outside of football to where, like, I got to share it. Like, I got to tell somebody. Like, somebody has to see this or somebody has to hear this. So, like, me having trouble finding to buy a trash can. Why the fuck are trash cans so expensive, first of all? That's the dumbest shit ever. 
that that's one. So I have to get that off my chest. Somebody needs to hear that and relate to that. So like you'd never just get strictly football with me, man. You you're gonna get a little bit of my life. I give you probably like ten percent of my life because I kind of keep it, you know, back back to myself. But for the most part, you'll get all the fun, enjoyable things. You might get some of my downtimes too. You never know. Well, one thing that I like talking about on this show, especially when I like guy like Adam Rank, who I got on this show, is because I told him, let's come on and uh, let's talk about your Bears a little bit, but let's talk about some old school wrestling because that's like yeah. one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I seen you posting um, about it a little while ago. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, you just never know who was into wrestling back then. But yeah. anyone like, I feel like mid 20s to like mid 40s, like probably hit attitude era like somewhere yeah. in their life. I, I started watching wrestling probably like 97 so that following year that's when stone cold won the royal rumble and then that's when king of the ring and that's when the attitude era just fucking shot all the way up because that's when you get dx because i think it was probably like 98 99 where you probably 99 actually where you saw road dog mr ass and xbox coming to dx because Shawn michaels got hurt so it might have been around that time. So that's when I really just got like fucking hooked. That's when I was like, I'm done. That's it. Wrestling, WWF. That's it. Done deal. So that's really around the time I got into it. You already said that Stone Cold was your favorite. I mean, what was DX? I mean, that that number two on the number list? Two for sure. Yeah. It, it it's more so the collective group. But if I had to select one individual, it was definitely Xbox. He was more, you know, the guy that I was gravitated to because one, I have his bucket hat that he threw in the crowd. So that's <laughs> a plus. So there's that. But uh, yeah, he, he was always the guy I was cheering for the underdog. I wish, you know, he got kind of more of a push, but that was more of his personal issues going on and why he couldn't get that push. But uh, yeah, Xbox. I still remember one of those, uh, the, um, it was after the Shawn Michael when Shawn Michaels lost at WrestleMania to Stone Cold. And then, like, the next night, X-Pac is, like, right back on the scene. And he has that crazy, like, speech where he could just say, like, whatever he wanted to yeah. say. Totally went off the Richters. Yeah. that that <laughs> What a character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here was one of his lines. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Telling Eric Bischoff to put it in his pipe and smoke yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'd be like, pissed off though too if like my boss like fired me like through a FedEx like letter. <laughs> yeah, that'd be wow. That's sick. I'd be really pissed off actually. <laughs> yeah, DX, they were doing too much wild stuff like back then, but like I was like 14, 15 when all that was happening. So like yeah. I got in trouble at school a couple times for doing the crotch chops. Yeah, of course. Who did? Yeah. I yeah. I got in trouble for this a lot. <laughs> so if you didn't get in trouble in school for that, then you weren't watching wrestling, right? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was some good times. What would you say is uh, if you had to come up with like just three all time moments, like whether they were raw or pay-per-view from back then, what would you say were like your three all time favorite moments? Oh, number one will definitely be the WrestleMania rock versus stone cold promo. And to even add a notch to that, it was really the Royal Rumble fight when they're in each corner, bloody to bloody, and they end up fighting in the middle of the ring. That moment is connected to that WrestleMania fight. That that WrestleMania moment promo, that is definitely my number one all time. Number two, same WrestleMania actually would be Jeff Hardy getting speared by Edge off the fucking ladder while he's hanging on the belt. That was just like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> like, I remember that to this day. And like, number three, like, I think it's probably the street fight between Shane and Kurt Angle. That's like a, that's like a, maybe one of my just personal favorites because one, Shane is not a wrestler. That's what people don't understand. He's not a wrestler. And I gave him props. That was the match that I gave him respect for because, man, he put his all into that. It's like when he faced Steve Blackman at SummerSlam, I was like, all right, this is stupid. He falls off the Tychotron. That's cool. But the whole match was stupid because he wasn't really a wrestler. But he wrestled against one of the best wrestlers in the business, Kurt Angle, who's actually a real-life gold medalist wrestler. So that was like a, a cool moment to see and like, that's why I put that so high as like one of the best moments because that moment there was like, all right, Shane gets my respect. The stamp is there. Shane McMahon is a wrestler. He's one of those B tier wrestlers. And I could put him that high because he put his body on the line. Every single match we saw the street fight with him, and Vince McMahon, the dad versus son fight him jumping from fucking coast to coast through a fucking trapping. Like I remember that shit and it's like, damn. And then recently we saw him jump off a of hell in a cell the fucking Undertaker. He missed, but goddamn. Bro, you're like fucking 38. So, like, Shane, he gets my respect. That's why he he gets up there into my number three, like, all-time moments with him and Kurt Angle, because he didn't break the glass on the first one. He did it, like, three times with a broken tailbone. If Nobody knows about that, but yeah. Yeah, that's a crazy part of the story, how Kurt Angle breaks his tailbone, and then still, I don't even know how long they wrestled after that, but yeah. It was a 25-minute match. It was a 25-minute match, and they still got through it, which is respect. You just got to look at that. Like, they're both banged up, and Shane is not a wrestler. Like, to put it out, he's not a wrestler. He didn't grow up wrestling. He didn't go through all the training. Like, he trained, but some of these people did it, like, since they were teenagers. He did it when he was 22. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, you if you go back and watch that match, because I've gone back and watched that match, when he's trying to throw him through the glass – and like he he doesn't go through the glass. You can like literally hear Shane's head just like smash, smash. off the concrete. Yep, crazy, insane. Then he goes through the glass twice, and I remember he had to when that they make it through the glass the first time. Then they're in that tiny ass little space, and he doesn't get him through the glass. And I think they said that uh, like Shane called uh, Kurt a bitch and said like just get me through the glass. Yeah, already. get me through the glass like that. Yeah, <laughs> insane. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't playing after that. Now, those are some good moments, that's for sure. Like, uh, man, the, the TLC matches. I remember, like, people saying that wrestling was fake. And I was like, have you seen this match, though? Like, these yeah. guys falling from, like, seems like 50 feet in the air, you know? Jeff Hardy was up there. I think they he broke, like, 22 feet of just hanging. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'm not doing that on my off day. <laughs> How is that fake? Like, wrestling is obviously scripted you're not hitting each other for real but the bumps and bruises they took i knew at a young age like yo this is for real i was at brooklyn when he dove off the top rope onto the undertaker and announced the table uh and through the table that shit was epic hell yeah that that was wild for him to do at the age that he was at like i knew for sure that undertaker was getting up yeah well and what's funny it's like as soon as shane like took that like just that step off. I don't even think he was off there for like half a second. Undertaker was already out of the way. They yeah. didn't leave that to chance. <laughs> Hell no. If he got that off, Undertaker would be dead right now. 
<laughs> oh, Justin. Yeah, he was uh, showing out on this. He won tickets to WWE SmackDown on the 30th. So stoked. Said I called into uh, um, a radio station and ended up winning that. Shit's dope. Oh, that's sick. Nice. Hell yeah. All right. One last question, WWE related. And uh, so we're going to take that WrestleMania out because you said two of the moments were, uh, were in that WrestleMania, like yeah. your favorite. What's your favorite, pa- uh, favorite pay-per-view of all time? Oh. Uh, and one specifically, not like a series of pay-per-views, but like specific one that you may even go back and watch these days. I always find myself, I think it's Backlash. I think I always find myself watching Undertaker versus Triple H. I think that's Backlash. That might be Backlash or Royal Rumble. It, it might be Royal Rumble, but everybody, the generic one would be like Royal Rumble, you know, when I think it was Kane going for like fucking 36 minutes or some shit like that. That'll be like my runner up. Like that'll be my definitely runner up when Kane was like dominating. But it's definitely Triple H versus Undertaker. That was such an underrated match that nobody really talks about. But like they were giving it their all in that match. Like that was like that was worth to be at WrestleMania. It should have been at WrestleMania. Yeah, definitely. And I think they did. Did they? No, they may not have had a match at WrestleMania. I know when they got like really old, you know, they had yeah, that hell of a cell. In their prime, they didn't though. That's yeah. what pissed me off. I was like, why wouldn't this be a WrestleMania match? What did you think? Well, now that we're talking about stuff like in the prime, like what did you think about when they did the uh, the NWO versus DX? Back in like yeah. nine, uh, was it 2014? <laughs> Man, I mean, no, just no. <laughs> it didn't hit the same. I mean, it would have been cool if we got it back in 01, but like now, like 2014, I kind of just didn't want to see it. Like, it was something that there's some things that we didn't need. So, like, those are there's two things that we didn't need in life. We didn't need Carter Five from Little Wayne, and we didn't need. DX versus NWO in 2014. Like those are the two things we did not need. We would have been fine with of how they would have been left. So I really wasn't here for it, but it was cool to see, you know, just to say it happened. But hey, whatever. It would almost have been more cool if they didn't like try to wrestle. Like if they just would have yeah. been the entrance and like that was it. Cause even yeah. like them just coming down, that they just looks, I mean, they obviously are like super old, but yeah. I remember NWO like seeing the behind the scenes, like we're not running down that ramp. We're going slow. <laughs> exactly. Like that. It's so stupid. I don't know who okayed that. I mean, the fans obviously wanted it, but a lot of people were just like, this is dumb to be on the screen right now. <laughs> Smitty in the house. What up, bro? What up, Smitty? Yeah, that's one thing they're just uh, going too far with. I mean, even that uh, The Undertaker and Goldberg, like. Yeah, those kind of things needed to happen like way, way back in the day. Not the thing now. is, the invasion era. What pissed me off was Sting didn't come and Goldberg didn't come, and this was literally at the back end of the prime of Attitude Era, where we could have got Goldberg versus Stone Cold at the height of their careers. We could have got Undertaker versus Sting. We did not get that. You missed that. You missed that by a mile. And that's still some dream matches that we want to happen, but we can't because they're old now. So that's an L on, you know, the WWE not writing the big checks for Goldberg or Sting to come over because it's like, 
What the fuck are we going to do with Lance Storm? I don't care about Lance Storm. I don't care about Perry Saturn. I don't care about, you know, this fake radical group that, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Benoit, and fucking, who's the other guy? Fucking Drew or uh, uh, Dean Malenko or some shit like that. Yeah. Fuck him. I don't need him there. I don't need him on the roster. You write the check for the guys that are going to come over and make a splash in year one. That WrestleMania of Sting versus Undertaker, they probably would have sold probably like quadruple what they would have done for the rest of the WrestleManias after that. But they missed the window on that. But hey, what am I? Just a fan. Especially when you see someone like Booker T, you know, come over yeah. and just absolutely champion. destroy it. As champion. You, yeah. you, you missed the moment. Booker T versus Austin, it was entertaining, but more entertaining outside the ring. It wasn't in ring presence that we're like we need to see this this is dumb so they they missed the ball on that hard and it's crazy too because like you can almost relate it to like covid and how there was a bunch of people who would rather stay on unemployment versus going and getting a job that was going to pay them less you know than being on unemployment goldberg and sting were getting so much money it was like wait i gotta take a pay cut to come work like no i'm just gonna chill at home yeah which is stupid by the wwe again because it's like all right, we'll just pay you the same and you'll be on a bigger network. Like you'll get quadruple the money. Like doesn't make sense. It, whatever happened behind the scenes, that's a miss on McMahon's. So it is what it is. Especially because Goldberg ended up coming anyways, but it was like wrestling was already kind of lame at that time, at least uh, yeah. for a handful of years. Yeah. And then have a 42nd match with Brock Lesnar doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and when they got booed out of the building when Stone Cold was the guest referee, like, man, I'm, they had to be embarrassed that entire match. Like, I'm sure they still look back on it and get embarrassed about it. Yep, definitely, 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, man, glad to have you on, bro. Like, it was a long time coming, and, um, man, you've been killing it. So just, uh, yeah. Thank you, man. Keep, Keep hustling. I'm glad we were able to talk some wrestling, too. That's something I really don't get a chance to really talk about. I definitely love reminiscing and stuff. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I know. One of these days I've been trying to work it where we get like, like maybe like five or six of us on and just have like a wrestling draft, you know, get like five yeah. rounds in or something. So uh, yeah, if that, if that actually comes to fruition, I'll let you know. or we'll try to work it to where you can get on too. Sweet. Let me know, bro. Hell yeah. Well, uh, go ahead and plug anything that you got to plug. Tell everybody where to find you at. Yep. You can find me at Real Deal Fantasy HQ on Instagram, Real Deal Fantasy on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, man. I'm on the feed. All righty, guys. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for sticking with us this whole time. Uh, Nothing in the works right now. Next week, going to be getting into some mock drafts. Uh, we got the, the seventh Hustler League about to fill up. We got one more spot left, so anybody wants to claim that spot, if you're already on Patreon, just hit me up. If you're not there, patreon.com slash FFHustler420. Go get in the community. Come get in this league. It is going to be dope. Peace out, everybody. Are you ready, Jim? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, when it's time, when it grind, yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. This is the gift I was given, so I just live by my hustle. Uh-huh.
Ladies and homies, make money, make money, money, money.